We're going to be reading in 1 John chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 17 of 1 John. So that's 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 17. My little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not only for our sins, not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now by this we may be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. Whoever says, I have come to know him, but does not obey his commandments is a liar. And such a person, the truth does not exist. But whoever obeys his word, truly in this person the love of God has reached perfection. By this we know we, are, we, are, we may be sure that we are in him. Whoever says, I abide in him, ought to walk just as he walked. Beloved, I'm writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. Yet I'm writing to you a new commandment that is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says, I am the light, while hating a brother or sister, is still in darkness. Whoever loves a brother or sister lives in the light. And in, in such person there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates a believer is in the darkness, walks in the darkness, and does not know the way to go, because the darkness has brought, him, brought on him blindness. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven on account of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is in the beginning. I am writing to you, young people, because you have conquered the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young people, because you are strong. The word of God abides in you. You have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or things in the world. The love of the Father is not in those who love the world. For all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, the pride of riches, comes not from the Father, but from the world. And the world and its desires are passing away. But those who do the will of God live forever. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. My first parsonage uh, in many churches, the, the church will provide a house for the preacher. It's called different things in most in different churches. Uh, most of us are familiar with the term parsonage. That's what they're called typically in the Methodist tradition, uh, typically in the Baptist tradition as well. I found out in the Presbyterian tradition, they're often called the manse. Uh, so, uh, so when I went to a Presbyterian seminary, I got confused with them talking about living in the manse. That, that always kind of confused me. My first, my first appointment, uh, my first church when I moved there, the previous pastor had been a student at Delta State. And so he lived in the dorms and then served the churches. Whereas I was coming in, I wasn't a student at Delta State. I was going to seminary in Memphis, but I needed a place to live. During this time when the previous pastor was at the church, they had rented the parsonage out to a family. So I moved in. It was just me. Holly and I weren't married. We weren't even dating then. So it was just me. And the church kind of crunched the numbers and realized it'd be better for the church to continue renting out the parsonage to this family, because it was a nice size house, and then just renting a little apartment for me, a small little apartment, just a place for me and my bed and my books, and I was happy. So that's what we did. No big deal. And it didn't bother me. I didn't care. I, I'd spent the last four years in dorm rooms. I was happy with whatever. So they rented for me a, a, little, a little, uh, little house, a little, little part of a duplex, um, 
going on Highway 8 towards Pace, Mississippi. You know where Pace is at, don't you, Tim? Tim actually knows where Pace is at. Pace is out from Cleveland. So way out there, out, out from town, kind of out in the country. And it was a, it was a great, great little apartment. It was perfect for me. I had a place for my bed. I had a, uh, an extra room for my computer and my books to study. I had a kitchen. I had a living room, a small little living room. I had everything a single guy could want. Only one small problem with this little apartment. I don't know how many of you have ever been to the Delta or are familiar with the Delta, but you, if you know anything about the Delta, you know farming is kind of the main uh, economic engine of the area, if you will. So lots of farms, and they grow a variety of things. Um, they grow corn and soybeans, things like that. But one of the main crops they grew back when I was there was rice. Rice was a very f- common form of, uh, of, of crop that was produced in the Delta. And so, no big deal. But if you ever seen how they grow rice? Rice has a lot of standing water in it. And you know what loves standing water, Tim? That'd be a water moccasin. So my first little apartment had four sides to it. One side was rice pat was, 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 was soybeans. The other three sides, rice patties. So I had rice patties all around my little, par- my little apartment there. No big deal, you're thinking. Remember those moccasins. So at night, when I would come in from school or church or wherever, I'd have to keep my car lights on when I pulled into the parsonage because there were snakes everywhere, Tim. And, and, and I'm not a fast fella, but if I'd have stepped on a water moccasin, I don't think I'd have had to worry about the venom killing me. I'd have just died of a heart attack. I'd have been out there, and they just would have eaten me at that point. So there were moccasins all over, all over the, not, not just everywhere, but you'd, it was not at all uncommon for me to come home and see two or three moccasins just kind of hanging out because the water was right there. So I learned at that point, in the darkness, in my parsonage, I needed some light because I was not going to walk out of that dark, into that darkness and step on me a snake because the next light I had would have seen at that point would have been the light from the pearly gates because I would have died and I'd have woken up in heaven because I don't do snakes. As I was telling somebody today in the office, talking about snakes, Maxine Stoddard, my mama is 91 years old. She is wise and smart and loves the Lord. And there is a lot of wisdom I've taken from my mama. And one of them is, Tim, only good snake is a Tim saying dead snake, and I, we, 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 we share that philosophy. And it works, if it's worked for Maxine Stoddard for 91 years, it works for me and you too. Now, if Will Selman's watching this, you can just fast forward to that part because I know you won't agree with it. But, um, but darkness is where the moccasins lived growing up. Darkness is a very scary and interesting place. Today's lesson deals with light and darkness. Um, this is John's letter. This is the same John who wrote the Gospel, John. And I've shared with you before in the Gospel of John, light and darkness are very symbolic for John. They speak to a lot of things. Light is synonymous with God, following God, being obedient to God. Darkness is synonymous with rejecting God, walking with the devil, walking in evil. There's that, there's that constant battle in John's Gospels between light and dark. We are the children of light. We are the children of light. We're the sons and daughters of God. 
We walk in the light. We see today, walk in the light. Don't walk in the darkness. Walk in the light. Don't walk in the darkness. And this text gives us a great, a great understanding of what happens when we choose to. And that, by the way, that's why in John's gospel, you see so many beautiful sim, symbolic moments of light and darkness. Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night in the dark. And that's symbolic of how Nicodemus in John 3 doesn't yet know that Jesus is the Savior. So he comes in darkness. He comes with evil still in his heart. By the, darkness is synonymous with that. Darkness is all over John's, all over John's gospel. When you read anything John wrote, pay attention to light and dark. Because they always have a bigger meaning for him about God and the devil, about good and evil. So today we see from John this notion of walking in light versus walking in darkness. What happens when we walk in light? We walk in this new commandment that he gave. He said, I'm giving you to this commandment, which is not a new commandment. It's the old commandment you've heard forever. Love. Love your neighbor. Love your brother or sister in Christ. Love. If you walk in the light, you're going to walk in love. Love. Scripture says there's two major parts of God's character. God is holy and God is love. God is holy meaning that God is other. God is different. And we as Christians are supposed to be holy. We're supposed to cling to holiness. When you walk in light, you will walk in holiness. So God is holy, but God is love. Love, by the way, is holiness. And holiness is love. Because holiness is ultimately about what he says here, keeping his commandments. Those who love me keep my commandments. What's the greatest commandment? To love God and love neighbor. If you love God, you'll keep the Ten Commandments. If you love neighbor, you'll keep the Ten Commandments. Our life of holiness it's a life that is, that is motivated by God's love. It's a life that is motivated by God's love within us, and it's lived out by us loving others. If you love your neighbor, you won't murder your neighbor. If you love your neighbor, you won't lie against your neighbor. If you love your neighbor, you won't steal from your, na- your neighbor. Well, who's your neighbor? Everybody you meet. So we see walking in the light leads to that life of love. We're not walking in the darkness. We're not walking in the darkness. We see here, he says, but whoever hates another believer is in the darkness, walks in the darkness, and does not know the way to go because darkness has brought on blindness. That's what hate does. Brings on blindness. Remember for John, light, dark, sight, and blindness are so symbolic because they speak of following God and obeying God. If we walk in the light, We're going to love our neighbor, and we're going to love our fellow brother or sister in Christ. We see here, if we walk in the darkness, walk in the way apart from God, we will hate our neighbor and hate our fellow brother or sister in Christ. Tertullian was one of the early church fathers, and he had this great quote where he said, Oh, those Christians, oh, how they love one another. And that's exactly right. We have to choose which path we're going to walk. 
John kind of repeats himself somewhat and plows some of the same ground because he wants wants us to get it. Do we love? Do we hate? Do we walk in darkness? Or do we walk in light? What do we choose to do? Well, how do we know what to do? How do we know what path is best for us? How do we know which path to walk down? It says here, to abide. He says in verse 6, whoever says, I abide in him ought to walk as he walked. We see over and over and over in 1 John this notion of abiding in me, to live within me, to live within my life, to walk with me, to journey with me, to live in me. Y'all, it's all about Jesus. The dominant question in our life. In fact, the only question in our life that really and truly matters is this, is are we abiding in Christ? Are we living in Christ? Are we allowing Christ's love to be, to be shed abroad within our hearts? Are we living out his love and experiencing his love and then sharing his love with others? How do we abide in him? We abide in him through Scripture. We abide in him through worship, through fasting, through communion, through conferencing. We abide in him by chasing after Jesus with all that we are. And as we chase after Jesus with all that we are, he lives within us. He says in John the gospel, I am the vine and you are the branches. You could do, do no good apart from me. Our life must exist in Jesus. Our life does not exist in morality. Our life does not exist in our wealth. Our life, life does not exist in our privilege. Our life does not exist in any of these things, but our life must exist in Jesus Christ. He is life. He says in John's gospel, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. He is our life. And y'all, if we're finding our life in any place but Jesus we will not truly find our life. There's these, the Greek legend, I think it's in uh, the Odyssey is where we see them. The sirens. These, their songs attract the sailors. And these sailors will shipwreck because they're so captivated by their song. The world is a siren song calling us, calling us, calling us. But as John says, in the world and its desire, and its, our pa- desire passing away, but those who do the will of God live forever. We cannot and we must not find our life in this world. We must find our life in Christ. The scripture says, Those who abide in Him follow His commands. I think sometimes I like to think that I'm more powerless than I am. There's old joke about, um, not a joke, it's a story for preachers. 
Most preachers are too busy. And most preachers like to complain about the schedule. And I never forget I heard I read an article in time about making out your schedule. And said complaining about your schedule is like every day getting up, making your lunch, and making yourself a tuna sandwich. And putting your tuna sandwich in your in your briefcase. You get to work, you eat your lunch, you pull out your tuna sandwich and say, Oh man, another tuna sandwich? I hate tuna sandwich. Well, guess what? You're the one who made it. So if you don't like tuna sandwich, make a different sandwich. If you don't like your schedule, change your schedule. But sometimes we like to think we're powerless in these things. Oh, what can I do? Oh, in my own life, what can I do? I'm just sinful. What can I do? I'm just sinful. Or in the world, what can I do? What can I do to stand against racism? What can I do to, to, to show love to others? What can I do to make the world a better place? Oh, there's nothing I can do. Sometimes in our life, we like, we, we almost like the feeling of powerlessness. Because if I'm powerless, there's nothing I can do, and I just have to accept it. But Jesus Christ never calls us to accept the present reality. He calls us to live as his, that his will be done upon earth as it is in heaven. He does not call us to be powerless. He calls us to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We are not powerless. We can choose, y'all. We can choose to walk in holiness and obedience and light, or we can choose to walk in darkness. We are not passive. We are not frail. We have the Spirit of Christ within us. We have choices to make. There's a quote I'm going to mangle. Somebody once said, it's not our darkness that frightens us, but it's our light. We're not powerless, y'all. We're not. We can't fix everything. But you have the power to read your Bible. You do. You have that power. You have the power to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit calling you to faithfulness. You have the power of how you serve. You have the power whether or not how you worship. You have the power whether or not you love your enemies. You have your power whether or not you speak for the poor and help those who are marginalized. You have the power if you stand up to hatred. You have the power if you choose to be obedient to Christ. Y'all, we're not powerless. We're not. We're not. We can choose to walk in darkness or to walk in light. To love our neighbor and our fellow believer are, are to build on the cycle of hatred in our world right now and hate our neighbor and our fellow church member. It's up to us. But we're not powerless. We're not. So what do we choose? 
What do we choose? Our first choice, our primary choice is this. Will we choose to abide in Christ and find our life in him? And if we choose that grace, we will. We will know the path to walk in light. Today, friends, may we choose to walk in light. Let's pray.